We're back with another Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, we're catching up with Vikings wide receiver and three deep teammate, Jake Reed. Welcome back to Skull Stories presented by 3M. Tonight, we're catching up with the Vikings receiving legend who was part of the record-setting 1998 Vikings offense. Nowadays, he calls Dallas home but he's keeping in touch with the Vikings nation by traveling the world as a Viking international diplomat and interacting on his very active social media accounts. I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation tonight with Vikings legend Jake Reed. Well, we're thrilled to chat with Jake Reed, of course, drafted by the Vikings back in 1993 out of Grambling, Legends Hall of Fame. Man, uh, Jake, it seems just like yesterday you were lined up with Chris Carter and Randy Moss. All time goes in a hurry, but I want to know how you're doing these days and, and uh, keeping yourself in shape and enjoying life. Well, I'm doing fine. I can't complain. You know, uh, I tell a lot of my friends one of the good things, the NFL, PA have a program mm-hmm. with Exos that's not too far from my house. So I take full advantage of that, you know, the workouts, the, the rehab and stuff like that. So since it's just five minutes from my house, that really been helping me out a lot. And just trying to uh, stay focused and continue to run around with, the, with my family. Hey, I'm not worried about you. I'm I want to know how Vanita's doing. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> the great part. That's who be helping me stay in shape because you won't let me have any sweets. Ah, <laughs> you're still taking coaching, aren't you? Yeah, still taking coaching. <laughs> She don't cut all my bluebell ice cream and my chocolate chip cookies and all that out the fridge. So, I'm, you know, I just got to eat a lot of broccoli and stuff like that that I'm trying to get used to now. You had so many uh, highlights with the Minnesota Vikings, but what, what comes to mind uh, when you think of your time here, whether it be uh, Denny Green, whether it be Chris Carter, the emergence of Randy Moss, the fans? So much happened in such a short period of time for you, Jake. Well, that was a great time. You know, I tell people a lot of time, once I got drafted to Minnesota, being from down south, I actually didn't know where Minnesota was. So I had to look up there and I said, wow, that's a cold state. <laughs> and then I still remember that my first year there, Halloween night, I think, well, it snowed like 31 inches in 91. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You remember that. Yeah, and I was blown away. I remember wrecking my truck three times <laughs> before I called the insurance company because I didn't know how to drive in the snow. <laughs> So it's so many great memories from start to finish up there. And, you know, uh, being there with some of the great receivers like Hassan Jones, Anthony Carter, Mm. uh, Chris Carter, and then, you know, working my way into the starter position, then here come Randy Moss. It was just so amazing. Actually, I talked to Randy about three days ago and talked to Chris two days ago, and we were talking about that 3D poster, how iconic the poster is, and everybody talks about the 3D poster Everybody uh, remembered different things about the poster and that we were just young. We didn't realize that poster was going to stand the test of time the way it did, you know. So I have so many great memories of Minnesota, you know. It is pretty interesting to look back on that. And you mentioned the 3D poster. It's it's all off. You know, offense is just that way now, right? And what do you think of, of today's game? I mean, with the, I mean, obviously you wish you had the gloves back then. Um, but with the passing game and the way it's evolved, uh, you still think three deep would uh, would have been three deep in this day and age? I think would have been three deep with a lot better numbers because mm. now Agreed. you can't you can't get knocked you can't get knocked out going across the across the middle. We had like Steve Atwater running a lot, Darren Wilson and uh, uh, John Lynch. You know those are guys we had to worry about when I went across the middle because back then they can take headshots, they can hit you anywhere. 
Now, I'm not saying it's a softer league now. I think I'm happy that they are protecting the players. But, man, you know, when, you, when you're able to go across the middle and run those slants, don't have to worry about those blindside shots. Hey, man, it makes the game a little more easy going across the middle. You mentioned uh, working with a bunch of receivers here before Randy Moss got here in 1998. But if you think back to that training camp in Mankato, and here comes a ballyhooed wide receiver who was uh, uh, upset because he was drafted as late as he was in the first round, and Denny Green took a chance on him. What were your first impressions of Randy when he showed up in Mankato? Well, my first impression was like, wow, this dude is tall, skinny like Jimmy Walker. <laughs> How is he going to stay healthy? But I tell you what, it wasn't, it wasn't long that him putting on them pads that everybody saw why he was so special. You know, I saw him at Marshall uh, when he was running down the field, making those, diff- uh, those great catches, but to be able to – translate that and throw that over to the NFL and do the same thing. He is truly one of the best receivers I ever played with, you know, uh, and I played with some good ones. Like I said, Anthony Carter, Chris Carter, you know, all those guys, Steve Jordan, I played with some good receivers. But when Randy Moss came in, he just really just helped us take the wide receiver spot to a whole different level. You know, I think I remember one year Green Bay, that I think they got, it was the 98, they drafted mm-hmm. all cornerbacks, a bunch of cornerbacks and safety to try to stop us. And I think we went up there and lit them up in Green Bay, and they didn't have an answer for us. So guys like Randy Moss made Chris Jordan, Chris Carter's job easier, made my job easier, made Brian Billy. A 98 uh, job so easy to call mm-hmm. plays. You know, I'm not saying Brian Billy wouldn't have got a head coaching job uh, but I, uh, at Baltimore, but I tell you that 98 season with Random all really helped a lot of stuff out on that case. And Jake, with the way the draft goes now and, and with receivers being more actually ballyhooed and looked for than running backs anymore, what are a few things that are, let's say, intangibles, not just height, not just weight, not speed? But what do you look for when you let's say you're watching a college game and you see a great receiver? What are the little things that make a receiver great in the NFL? Well, one of the things I look for, and, and, and I guess I'm guilty of this. Whenever I watch the game, I always watch it. Sometimes I miss what happened with those on uh, in the interior of the line because I'm always watching the receivers. I think the biggest thing the way they transition in and out of their breaks, how they drop their hips in and out of their breaks, and I'm always looking at the hand placement. You know, when I when I watch young guys go to the uh, high school game, I look at the hand placement of the receiver, how they catch the ball below their waist or above their head, and just the way they uh, get in and out the brakes coming back. That will make a great receiver. Not how fast you run from A to B. How fast can you get in and out of your brakes? So I think that that's one of the things I look at. What are your thoughts about Justin Jefferson in, in terms of his talent, his desire, what you interpret him to be? Uh, looking at his arc for his future with the Minnesota Vikings. He is amazing. I think I got asked this question uh, when I was in the UK for the Vikings. They said, what do you think about Justin Justin? How do you think he would fit in with the Vikings? I said, well, I hate to tell you guys, we have some great receivers. If Justin Justin had a came on the team when we were there with me, Chris, and Moss, I hate to tell you, I'd probably been the fourth receiver. <laughs> <laughs> he is that good. Yeah. And I'm being honest. I'd probably been the fourth guy. Because he can really do everything. He can run the route from the slide. He can go outside. He can go in motion. You can flip in the ball. He's just that explosive going out the brakes, in and out of the brakes. And I, I enjoy watching him because he can really make plays after the catch. So definitely look at a, uh, when you look at a receiver like that. I just hope, uh, I don't know if he win his contract up, but I just hope we have the money to keep him yeah. and just build a lot of other pieces around him. Because you need a true number one receiver on your team to be successful. You know, that helps out the running game. 
that helps the, your average quarterback to be great when you got a great when you got a great receiver like that. And I think that the type of numbers he's putting up, if he stays with the Vikings, I think he can break all the numbers. Pete Bursich and uh, Mark Rosen joined by Jake Reed. Jake, you're kind of the last person I would have expected to embrace social media and be <laughs> out there. Uh, but you recently, you mentioned it, but you recently took a trip to England um, up in Birmingham, so that's northern England, uh, I, I guess as an ambassador to, to the Vikings. I'm not sure exactly what was going on. Can you explain to us the, that trip? Because following you on social media, it looked like it was uh, it was a lot of fun being up there talking to those guys about what the NFL is really all about. Well, you know, when Tom called me, when Tom texted me about that and called, I was like, wow, I don't want to take no eight-hour trip. I actually started laughing, asking, you know, when do you need to know this uh, answer to this? He was like, like now. So when I talked <laughs> to my wife, I already knew she was going to be ready to go. But getting there, uh, like I said, the flight wasn't bad. It wasn't bad as I thought it was going to be, you know, just being on a plane for eight hours. But I tell you, just getting there and seeing the kids who love uh, football, American football, uh, was awesome. You know, they, they thirst for the, the flag football. They were being introduced to it up in uh St. Anne's uh, Academy up in, up in Manchester. And it was an awesome, awesome feeling to see the old kids love uh, flag football like that. You know, I had some of the kids saying they want to uh, work hard enough to try to be in the 2028 uh, Olympics flag football game. So it was an awesome, it was very awesome. The interviews, the way they, they loved the Vikings. And I did not realize that we had those many Viking fans in the UK. Amazing. You know, we did the watch party. Did the watch party on that Sunday? We played against the Saints, and uh, good thing we won because the, the building was packed. They were pumped up. They had their face painted, and I was really blown away about it. You know, just blown away how they have adapted the name the Vikings. But the school never had a mascot. Now they football team. They are the Vikings, and they they you know they're in they purple also. So it was a great great experience for me to see that and see the home with them kids want to learn uh, football, uh, American football. So I keep saying American football because I made the mistake when I was talking to the kids and called their football soccer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, man, they got all over me. They were like, what the heck? What the heck is soccer? We don't say soccer around here. Out of here. We play football. No, that's the wrong word to use. Wrong word. So they corrected me on that real, uh, really fast. So, But just hanging out with those kids, uh, on that Friday, all day long, different session was amazing. And I have did camps in the past right here in the States, but it was a different feel with those kids because they were learning. They were learning how to go through the cones. They were learning about the little nuance of football. So it, it made me excited to teach those little things, you know, because yeah. there wasn't kids that, that know football and have learned incorrectly that you have to reteach these kids that didn't know anything. So once you taught them something, it's stuck. When you taught them something the correct way, it's stuck well. Stick around for more Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back with more from Jake Reed right after this. Many local families cannot afford the high cost of food, gas, and groceries. You can help by donating to the Salvation Army this holiday season. Give now at SalvationArmyNorth.org. Together, we can love beyond. Welcome back to tonight's edition of Skull Stories, presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. From the field to the roof and everywhere in between, 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. 
Visit vikings.com slash skull science to learn more. Now let's get back into our conversation with Jake Reed. Uh, some players have trouble adjusting to, to life after their careers are over, but how much of being a, a sports parent for you and your wife and, and both your children were all Americans at the collegiate level, uh, how much is that, did that help you just sort of make a smooth transition into mentoring not just your own kids, but a- anyone else that came in your uh, orbit? I think that I think the first year or two, uh, getting out of professional sport, I think that's the hardest adjustment because you always been on such a routine and in that bubble of life. But once you get through that first year adjusting, the great thing, I have a you know great wife and great family situation. And then once my kids got into sports, I taught, you know, I coached my son Lily team. I coached his basketball team. I didn't do any coaching with my daughter. My daughter didn't want me to coach her. So I kind of stayed away from that and let other people coach her. She said she'll perform better if I just sit up in the stands and be quiet. So that's what I deal with my daughter. <laughs> yeah. Honesty's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, she, she told me the truth. So but when it came to my son, I think that I coached him, and that really helped me adjust. Then I started coaching other kids. Then I started working with my son in the neighborhood at the local field. Other parents would see that and come up and um, – Want, want me to coach him and want to pay, but I just tell him, you bring him out here this time, this is me and my kids. I'll be out here and I'll coach the kids for free. And oh. so I would have like 10, 20 kids up there I would be coaching for free because I would train my son in a way. So it's just another way that my son can have added competition during the training session when I was working with him. But it was a, it was a smooth adjustment, like I said, but after the first year, the first two years, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of tough because you're kind of hungry for that that locker room stuff, you kind of home, you still real competitive. So uh, once I got through that first year or two, it was easy for me. Just sit back and watch my kid perform then. And Jake, what uh, what advice would you have uh, for a parent that has some kids who are, at, you know, want to be athletes and, you know, younger children? What, what advice would you give them? Well, I would tell all parents, put your kid in everything they want to be in. Because when they're younger, they really don't know what they want to do. They don't know they want to be soccer players, baseball players, basketball, or football. But if they show an interest in it, and you have the time and money, put them in that. Because as they get older, they're going to gravitate to the sport that they really love and what they're really best at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's what I deal with my kid. My son played basketball, played football, played soccer. But as he got in middle school, he started gravitating more towards football. So what I did with him, he, he didn't want to play receiver. He wanted to play cornerback. And I would tell parents, find them a good trainer. Everybody mm. that's out there training, that they are not good. They're just not good. And you got to know what to look for in a good trainer that's going to teach them great technique. But just here in the Dallas area, we have a lot of former NFL ball players here. So I will only let my kids train with former NFL ball players because I knew they played the, played the game or they had to be a top college ball player. If you just played in high school and if you don't look the part, I hate to say it, if you look, if you out there trying to teach my son how to play cornerback and you got this beer belly, uh, we ain't coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be funny. But if you ain't taking care of yourself and training yourself, you can't train my kid. Are you trying That's to say? Are I you look. trying to say that Buddy Ryan couldn't teach a corner? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not. Buddy Ryan paid his dues, but I'm just saying <laughs> I just that just with my thought process, you know, uh, from the football standpoint. I mean, I think that's what parents have to do. Just let the kid participate in in everything. My son was in piano lessons. He got to the age, he said, you know what, I don't want to do this no more. So I didn't force it on him. I think let the kids, whatever, gravitate to whatever they like. 
without forcing them. You may see something, oh, no, I want you to play baseball, but this may not what he like. He may like right. basketball. So that's my, my, my advice to parents. Put them in what sport they need to be in or activity. And as they get old, they'll start making decisions. Like, I like this best, Mom. And you put whatever you got to put in into them and their sport or their activity they like. And your kids will be fine. Again, we're talking to Jake Reed, uh, part of the Vikings lore of, uh, of some of the great wide receivers of all time. You mentioned just the first year or two getting out of the game is is tough. And I think back to that that locker room and the personalities that were in it, particularly you know, the 98 team. And you can go down the list, go down the line of – Offensive lineman that you had with Randall McDaniel and Jeff Christie and David Dixon and Corey Stringer, the late great Corey Stringer, and and all the people obviously on that team. Uh, does anyone stand out? And you just miss that? How can you not miss the camaraderie and the storytelling and the nonsense that went on uh, with those teams off uh, off Sundays game days? Well, you miss it, and I have a couple guys that I miss a lot that I actually once uh, football was over. I still spend a lot of time with, like, Orlando Thomas. Mm. I live in Dallas. My wife is from Louisiana, so we used to take that drive from Dallas to Louisiana, which was like seven and a half hours, yeah. often to see her mom. And we would often stop and crawl in Louisiana and see uh, Orlando for, like, a couple hours. Even when he got sick with uh, Lou Garrett disease, he, he down. I would still sit the, uh, take that drive, and I would take the drive simply to spend time with him. I take them my full time of year to see him. And another guy that I was spending a lot of time with uh, after, after I retired with Chuck Evans, who passed along. Mm. That was my golf buddy. So you miss those things like that, especially once they pass on. But you miss a lot of locker room stuff, man. It's just, uh, it just crazy uh, how life goes. You know, guys are healthy, now they're gone. So now I'm so glad that, you know, like I said, the NFLP have a lot of health stuff, right. do a lot of streaming a guy with different type of uh, health health issues and stuff like that. I think they help. I take advantage of all of that because I, you know, I want to be around as long as I can to uh, see my grandkids and hopefully, if I'm not too broken up, I can get out there and coach them. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they want an old man out there coaching them, but I try. You know. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Chuck Evans because I remember when I first met him and he was telling me about how he was in the military. I remember looking at him thinking, "Man, how old are you?" <laughs> it's like, yeah. so, well, you were in the Marine Corps, whatever you were, whatever. It's like what? Yeah, and we had some. I tell you, we had some good guys in that locker room. I think uh, Dennis Green really have a had a player friendly locker room. He let the players run the locker room. I think that's one of the reasons we were so good in '98 in the years. You know, had a lot of good seasons there because the players actually run the locker room. I can remember time being in the weight room, Pete, you probably can test this, and we and I listened to our R&B music or rap, and Randall McDaniel and Big Mike Mars walking in, <laughs> and they'll turn the radio and put hard rock on. Yeah, it was all about seniority. <laughs> yeah, about seniority. Like, you can't argue with them. You can't say, man, we was here first. Like, nah, man. Nah, we, we switching that mess. And yeah. right now you can do it by it, but you know, right. and that's the type of leadership uh, that we had in the locker room. You know, Chris Carter was a pro bowler. He was there a long time, but he did not trump uh, Big Mac, Big Randall McDaniel. You know, so when Randall walked in, hey, now we listen to this. So that's the type of stuff I remember, just the, the seniority and, and the, the leadership that he let us have in the locker room was great. You're down in the Dallas area right now, is that right? So besides uh, your kids yeah. uh, keeping busy with, uh, as you say, some other NFL activities, but 
overall you're uh, you're not having trouble f- f- filling your day? Not having trouble filling my day uh, at the most part. I've just uh, recently, the last few days, I've uh, been struggling with uh, back spasm. Uh, I've been sitting up here struggling with mm. back spasm. And stuff, back tight. That, back tight, right? Uh, back tight. Yeah, back so <laughs> tight, man, the last few days. I almost, I almost didn't go to church on Sunday. Um, my back's so tight, but I said, ah, I got to get up and get out of here. <laughs> but definitely I've been struggling with uh, the last few days, a uh, little back issues. But other than that, though, like I said, when you, me and my wife next year be married 30 years. Ah, uh, fantastic. Wow. And when you have a good wife like that, she really been take care of everything around. Been, She's been treating me, bring the plates to the table and take care of everything. I may fake this injury, you know, but a couple more days I've been liking the treatment I've been getting around here. <laughs> Uh, Vanita, she's going straight to heaven, right? It's it's just nice to know that there are people out there dealing with you her whole life for for 30 years. She's going straight up there. Well, we got to get you up here for alumni weekend. Well, I'm sure that'll be the next phone call from Tom for next year. We'll get you up here and start getting some of the guys from the, you know, the 90s back here. All right, Jake, thank you very much. The best gunner ever in the history of the NFL, Jake Reed. Hey, I've been telling people I played stress team out pretty good at them when I first got there. I didn't know no better. So Well, you I had to, though, but that that's how it was, right? Yeah. It's like if you can't play special teams, you can't play offense or defense. Some of us never graduated from special teams. <laughs> you know, that's what I did. So it was, that's what it was. But – you know, but it was just so. It was just awesome to to when I was young, especially my like my first couple of years is just, you know, we do punt coverage and everything else, and guys in the back of the film room would be like, "Man, you should have seen Jake Reed do that. You should have seen Jake Reed be a gunner." It's like that you you're legendary. Well, thanks to one moon, it's one yeah. of the reasons I got off special team. One moon went to Denny Green and said, "Hey, we can't have them on special team anymore <laughs> if we're going to start trying to start them." So thanks to one moon, the reason I got off special team. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I see him again, I'll make sure he, he he helped me out a lot too, and he doesn't even realize just some of the stuff he said. He was he was a, a, a wise man for sure. So yeah, one with the man, right? Yep. All right. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Jake. Thanks again to Jake Reed for joining the show tonight. It's always great to hear about his incredible experiences on and off the field. Well, let's see what they can do for an encore of the Vikings already in Cincinnati for their early game tomorrow at Paycor Stadium. It's a noon kickoff locally on CBS and the NFL Network. You can, of course, also catch the game right here all across the Vikings radio network. So be sure to check your local listings for details. And thanks again to Jake Reed for joining the show tonight. And thank you fans for tuning into another edition of Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.